I bet that's the first time you've ever seen a uh, sermon by Gilligan. <laughs> that little clip reflects one of the traditional themes of Christmas or of Advent, which is joy. And it's hard to imagine any greater joy than was experienced by these stranded castaways who have just found out that they're going to be rescued. They're going to be returning home and be reunited with their loved ones. Our reading, Advent reading for today out of the book of Zephaniah reflects this same traditional theme of joy. It brings a message to us that we are all castaways. And there is an Advent promise, an Advent hope of joy for each and every one of us. To understand this promise of joy, we must understand the prophecy. Zephaniah ministered during the reign of Josiah. At this time in the history of Israel and Judah, the two nations were divided. And Assyria has already destroyed the northern kingdom and ten tribes of Israel are already gone and lost forever. Can you imagine how devastating that must have been? to the citizens of Judah, wondering continuously, when is our turn? Will we be next? Prior to Josiah and the time of Zephaniah, Hezekiah was ruler over Judah. And Hezekiah was one of those good kings who had restored true worship of God and had tried to stamp out all idol worship from Judah. And so it was a very hopeful time. But no sooner had Hezekiah died than he was followed by Manasseh and Ammon who systematically went about reversing all of the reforms of Hezekiah and leading Judah into some of the deepest, most devastating godlessness the nation had ever experienced. Imagine living through those decades. One moment, great God, godless, godliness. The next moment, total sin. Amon was assassinated. And in his place, Josiah was assigned to be king of Judah at the great old age of eight. His reign began with a period of spiritual and social unrest because of a lack of true leadership in the nation. In the 18th year of his leadership, 
the book of the law was found. And you know the story of how Josiah immediately began the greatest reforms that were ever to occur in the nation of Judah. Hope was beginning to be restored. It was a great period to live. At this time, the people began to, to even experience renewed hope of national independence. Assyria was becoming a weaker nation. Uh, Judah was beginning to, exp to express some independence, some freedom. But in the midst of that, Josiah, the hope of the people, died in a battle with Egypt. At the same time, great hordes of roving bandits flowed into the nation from the north and began to ravage and to terrorize the whole nation. Put your place, put yourself in the place of these people. If there was ever a time when they must have felt like castaways. This was it. Shipwrecked. And the message of Zephaniah to his time, to his age, was this. All is lost! Abandoned ship! Now, isn't that just the most blessed Christmas message you've ever heard? Zephaniah is unique among all of the Old Testament prophets. You see, he, didn't, he did not bring to the nation a call for repentance to stave off the destruction of God's judgment and wrath. His message was this. The die is already cast. The ship is wrecked beyond repair. There's no turning back. Give it up! But even among this, there is the message of one single hope. Zephaniah says there is one plank of the debris of this ship that any castaway may cling to. And it is simply this. Seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. God will not turn back the storm. You cannot be saved from going through. But it is possible 
If you will keep your eyes on God and seek to find Him in the midst of the storm, if you will seek righteousness, if you will not abandon God and His ways, but if you will seek to conform your life, to know His will, and to be conformed and obedient to that will, if you will surrender to the purposes of the storm and the shipwreck in your life that God has for you, you will not be saved from the storm, but God will shelter you so that you may survive it. Now, that message is good, but you need to understand that Zephaniah was preaching to a bunch of skeptics. They had been through so much, so many hopes just to have them dashed. So many reforms, renewals, revivals just to see nothing come of it. That they were beginning to doubt everything. Zephaniah says that, that generally the people of his day had come to believe that God was at worst a myth. At best, he was just totally irrelevant to their lives. To prove this, he quotes a popular saying, cultural saying during this time. And it was simply this. The people were saying, the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. What does that mean? That means God is some great being. If he exists at all, who lives in heaven and is totally unconcerned and uninvolved in the circumstances of my life. And the people of his day were asking, were doubting, is there truly a joy that I can know in the midst of the shipwreck experiences of my life? Don't think so. Is it possible that there is a God out there who loves me enough that he would be willing to scour the, the social, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical deserted islands of my life to find just a single castaway? I don't think so. Is it possible that there is a genuine love that can raise a ravaged heart to the heights of joy? 
and the people in general were doubting any of it. And to these people, Zephaniah brings this message of hope and promise. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. There is an Emmanuel. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. All is lost. Abandon ship. But the good news is that's not the end. There is a God who will be with you. If you will seek him, if you will seek righteousness, if you will seek humility, you may go through the storm, but he will shelter you. And he will restore joy for every castaway. He is the hope of the shipwreck. We too live in a skeptical world. We live in a day and an age when in our deepest moments we too are tempted to believe the Lord will do nothing either good nor bad we are here on our own and if there is a God, he is far in heaven where he is unconcerned and uninvolved in the details, the storms, the tragedies of my world and my life. Is the hope and the promise of Zephaniah and Emmanuel to come, is it applicable to me? To answer the skeptics in our world, I want to tell you the story of Henry, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who was a poet who wrote the poem Christmas Bells 
on Christmas Day, 1864. At this time in American history, our nation was deep in the despair of the American Civil War. Both the North and the South had entered enthusiastically into this war, believing that it would be easily won in a matter of a few months. Three and a half years later, it had resulted in unimaginable pain and suffering, costing more in war deaths and, and casualties, wounded, than any other American conflict before or after, including both world wars. Two years before Longfellow wrote this poem, his wife had died in their own house. Her dress had caught fire, and, Wads and Longfellow, in an attempt to save her life, had tried to smother the flames with his own body, resulting in severe burns to his torso, his arms, and his face. Just three weeks prior to the very day that he wrote this poem, his son had been shot on the battlefield and the bullet had gone through one side and through his back, critically damaging two vertebrae. And on this very day, Longfellow did not know if his son would live or die, and if he lived, if he would ever be able to move any other part of his body, save his head. In the torrents of these tragedies, Longfellow pinned these words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men.
It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Those are the words of a shipwrecked castaway. All is lost. Abandoned ship. I could imagine these very words being proclaimed by Zephaniah on the streets of Jerusalem. There is no peace. on earth, goodwill to men. But praise God, that's not the end. Like Zephaniah, there was another word of hope yet to come from the pen and the mouth of Longfellow. He writes this last verse. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will to man. To the skeptics of our world, our time, our day, the unwavering personal testimony of Longfellow is this. Is there a true joy that can be experienced by us in the moments of shipwreck in this world? And Longfellow says, yes! Is there an Emmanuel who loves the castaway so well that he will scour any and every deserted island to find but one, rescue them, and return them home? And Longfellow says, yes! Is it possible for the shipwrecked, ravaged heart of a castaway to be raised up to the heights of divine joy and fellowship? And Longfellow says, yes, yes, yes. And he knows from personal experience.
What of you and me? How does this apply to us? First, it calls each and every one of us to a genuine experience of Emmanuel in the midst of the shipwreck experiences and castaway moments of our lives. It challenges us to so seek the Lord and seek righteousness and seek humility that even though God should, should lead us through the torments of life, we will remain firm in our hope in Him. It calls us to live out the presence of Emmanuel, the presence of God in our lives in such a way that the world can know that even if all of life is shipwrecked, there is a God who can shelter us and help us to survive and be revived. Second, it calls us to pick up the prophetic mission to proclaim to a skeptical world that there is a God who is alive and who cares about us and is involved in our world. And to let them know that He is Emmanuel. He has taken up our flesh and he, so that He may walk with us through these shipwreck experiences. The challenge is to us. Will we respond? Will we live out this hope, this promise of joy in the worst of shipwreck experiences? Will we proclaim to all castaways of our world that there is a God who will see you through no matter what His will brings to your life? Tonight, rather than to call you to respond here at our altars. I would like us to all join in a corporate amen. So be it. Lord, so be it in my life. Whatever the shipwrecks I have faced, whatever the shipwrecks I may face today or tomorrow, I will seek you, I will seek your righteousness, and I will seek genuine humility, believing in the promises of your word. Amen.
Lord, so be it. May I be a Zephaniah. May I be a Longfellow who will proclaim to the shipwrecked castaways of my world. There is a God who loves you. And Emmanuel who wants to live with you in every storm and torment of your life. Not to spare you, but to shelter you so that you may survive and find joy renewed. If that amen is yours today, will you stand with me and join me in these two carols?